Hardware to Save a Planet explores the technical innovations that are giving us hope in the fight against climate change. Each episode focuses on a specific climate challenge and explores an emerging physical technology solution with the person bringing it into reality. I'm your host, Dylan Garrett. Hello and welcome to this special end-of-year episode of Hardware to Save a Planet. I can't believe we've been doing the show long enough now to have two end-of-year episodes under our belt. 2023 has been an amazing year of growth for the climate tech industry with a ton of new companies being founded, new funding rounds, purchase agreements, and technology breakthroughs. And with all of that, something I'm seeing more and more of personally is people I know who are not working in climate today, but want to move their career in that direction. And that's one of the main reasons I started this show a year and a half ago, to highlight some of the uh, amazing opportunities people have to help in the fight against climate change. So for today's episode, we'll play 10 short clips from guests who shared advice on that topic. These are all responses to the question I ask everyone, which is, what advice do you have for someone not working in climate today who wants to do something to help? Up first is Paul Lambert, CEO of Quilt, a company making ductless heat pumps to more efficiently heat and cool our homes. While the technology has been around for a long time, adoption is slow, partly because the user experience and aesthetic design is pretty awful. Paul and Quilt are on a mission to accelerate adoption with beautiful design and an amazing user experience. I like Paul's advice for anyone getting into climate, which is about leveraging your existing skill sets and interests. Here's Paul. I think if someone wants to get into climate, they will be able to. And then I would advise them to do the journey that I went on that worked out so far for me. So I would recommend it to others is try to find where the intersection of climate is and, and your genuine interest and skill sets. Most people who want to get into climate are already in something else, meaning they have some skill set. And so for me, it was consumer technology. Maybe for someone else, it is fusion. Or maybe it's law and they want to like get regulation better or whatever your skill set is. You want to, you've built some muscles in your life. So what's the nook of climate where that muscle will, will have the biggest impact? This is probably an obvious answer, but I think if someone really wants to, they can do it. Up next is Tom Gursky, founder and CEO of Blue Dot Motorworks. Tom has engineered a way to efficiently convert existing gas vehicles to plug-in hybrid EVs. In recording this episode, I became thoroughly convinced that we need to be doing this if we want any hope of meeting our transportation carbon budget goals to keep warming below 1.5 or 2 degrees Celsius. Tom's advice builds on Paul's in that he's making the case that the fight against climate change is broad enough that it needs your skill set, whatever that happens to be. The one thing I always say is that you don't have to be somebody who works in or has a skill set that's like on that point of the spear when it comes to, to climate tech. Anybody can get involved and it can help. And really the easiest way to do that is to just realize that all these organizations that, that are doing climate work, they need all the normal stuff that organizations need. So you can be an accountant, you can be, you can work in, in grounds, you can work in custodial, like it doesn't matter. Like all these organizations need all the normal organizational things. So just find one that's aligned with what you, where you think we should be going and just help that organization. Kim Baker from Elemental Accelerator is up next. Elemental is an investment group with an amazing philosophy of impacting climate change and social equity in tandem. Definitely check them out. 
I think Kim's advice of starting local really comes from a place of understanding how community can be impacted by climate change and also how important community action is in fighting it. Start really local. Does it mean recognizing when your sewer drain is clogged because you've got debris and branches and you've just had a lot of rain? Understand what that means, like if it were to flow into the ocean and overflow that waste and that sewage into the ocean. Maybe it means going to like your local community council meeting and understanding what are the environmental impacts and concerns that are happening for my neighborhood or maybe a neighborhood that's less fortunate than the one that you live in. And so really like overly simplify and go super, super hyper local to start learning about things that not only you're passionate about, that you care about, but that also impact your everyday life or someone that is maybe close to you in your world and expand from there. Now we have Mike Kelland, CEO of Planetary. Planetary is using ocean alkalinity enhancement OAE, to remove CO2 from the atmosphere. The IPCC report is clear that we need to be removing billions of tons of atmospheric CO2 by 2050. In my conversation with Mike, he explained how the ocean's scale and natural ability to store carbon makes it one of the best tools we have to accomplish that. Mike has some solid advice about where to start if you're just getting into climate, despite the massively broad scope of the challenge. What's really interesting is that every climate has, it's such a challenging problem and such a wide ranging problem that the types of skills required within climate are infinite. There's so many different kinds of skills that can be applied to different aspects of climate. And one of the best things I think you can do if you're trying to get into climate is to start by getting the basics, like try to learn about the climate problem, the things that cause it, read up on like places like our world and data and stuff like that, and just really try to get a good understanding of the fundamental challenges of resolving climate change and where the big levers are. And then go and pick a space that really interests you or aligns with your skill set or whatever and be targeted in it because climate is really huge. I get this question literally all the time. People are calling me up and they're like, hey, how do I get involved in climate? And I'm like, I don't even know what you mean. Like, what do you like to do? Like, where do you want to focus? What problems in climate are things that you get concerned about, right? Are you worried about of agricultural emissions, which could range from reducing methane emissions from livestock to eliminating food waste, right? Like there's so much scope within each of those problem areas that if you can't narrow yourself down to say like, here's something that I'm super passionate about or I have a real interest in. And then on top of that, once you get into that, I'm 100% positive you'd be able to find a place for your skills within that area. Next is Nirav Patel, CEO and founder of Framework. Framework is tackling the emissions associated with the consumer electronics industry, one product category at a time. They currently sell laptops, and I love that Nirav's goal is to actually shrink the total size of the laptop industry by providing a product that is 100% upgradable and repairable. I asked Nirav what advice he would have for someone working at a big consumer electronics company who wants to make a change in the industry. He says, leave your job and start a new company. I'll let him explain why. My advice is to leave and start a new company. <laughs> and this, uh, I mean, I, I'm not just saying this because it's what I did, but I actually really do believe that. And I'm sure uh, like people who are in that place right now in their lives are experiencing this day to day that it is hard to make change in big companies. It's very rare to be able to make substantial, especially like business transforming change from within a company. It's easier to go out, 
prove that it's possible to do it differently and influence bigger companies that way once they realize that they're at risk from someone from the outside. Actually, today, even though the tech industry is in a challenging spot right now, broadly, it's a better time than ever to start a company, especially going in at the early stage and using this opportunity where almost everything is in excess, especially in the hardware space. There's manufacturing capacity and materials and components. Even to some extent, it's easier to hire engineers because of the challenges in the tech industry. And so it is actually a really incredibly good time to start a company, especially in the hardware space right now. Next is Sylvain Taramunov, co-founder and CTO of NeoCarbon. They're producing direct air capture or DAC technology to remove atmospheric CO2. So they're tackling the same problem as Mike Kelland and Planetary, but in a very different way. I like their approach because rather than using energy to generate heat for their process, they've found a way to use waste heat from cooling towers. This addresses one of the big barriers to scaling DAC, which is energy consumption. His advice is about tapping into the super welcoming and collaborative climate tech community. If you have a crazy idea, and especially if you have a crazy idea, you should definitely pursue it. How to do it is reach out, for example, to me or other people in the community. I think one of the best things about the community of the CDR and climate tech is that most people are in it for the impact, for really like not building like company building or not making money, but really like, hey, I'm really worried about this. I want to try to do something. I want to jump on that train of like, I'm tired of seeing politicians or whatever taking too long. And that means that it's a massively, massively helpful community. So people are really open to exchange and it's very easy to reach out. So I would say that's if you're a little bit kind of unsure, like, how should I do this? What should I do? Should I do it at all? Yes, probably the answer is yes. And if you want to build up confidence, just reach out. So you have all this on the CDR side, you have all this community, like, for example, Air Miners, where you can like meet a lot of fantastic people. There's more and more kind of conferences around the world, like Slack, Discord groups that are really focused on impact on climate at personal level, company level, building startups. On Reddit, there's also a lot of things as well, for sure. So I would say, like, get in there and don't feel crazy. Like, we need crazy. We really need crazy at this point. John O'Donnell is next. He's the CEO of Rondo Energy, a company with a novel heat battery for large-scale energy storage. When we generate excess renewable energy on the grid, Rondo's system converts that electricity to heat and stores it efficiently until that energy is needed again as heat or electricity to replace fossil fuels. I love John's advice to bloom where you're planted. He makes a case for making change from inside your current organization. Start working in climate. It is the greatest <laughs> challenge of our time. And that cuts across really every sector. Wherever you are, bloom where you're planted and ask yourself that question. In my organization, what can this organization be doing? Whether it's changing what it's buying. And there are a ton of people to learn from. I look at things from a technology standpoint and where is it that we can bring technologies to market. And that is everything from AI and digital controls to mechanical engineering innovation to electrical engineering innovation. There are all kinds of areas, but everything across regulatory, everything in politics, that's not terribly useful advice, though, that just says, work the problem. I don't have a big enough perspective. There are lots of people who do. Doug Woodring is the founder of the Ocean Recovery Alliance and has dedicated his career to solving the problem of plastic waste in the world. Plastic constitutes 85% of marine litter and is projected to triple by 2040. 
Because that plastic isn't being recycled, it means we're producing more virgin plastic, which has greenhouse gas impacts. And all this waste in the environment negatively impacts biodiversity, among other things. Doug's advice focuses on some low-hanging fruit ways to start learning about the problems you want to tackle. All hands on deck. I mean, there's so many things you could do, even if it's donating money, if it's volunteering, if it's reading up about some causes that you're interested in. It might not be plastic, it might be water, it might be animals. We're losing ecosystems and species very rapidly. We really need everyone to be aware of something that they like. Pick something that you like and that you want to protect and learn about it. Go to a lecture, go to a podcast like this, go to a museum or wherever it is to learn more about it and then be an advocate. You don't have to be a mean about it. You don't have to force people to do it. But if you have a few facts and figures and bring it up in a good way, you can inspire young and old. And I think that messaging is very important for all of us to be able to do. This next clip is from Devin Wright, the co-founder and CEO of Lumo, a smart irrigation control system that helps growers conserve time, money, and water. This episode was one of the first where I got to really dig into the relationship between water and climate change. And Devin helped me understand why water conservation and measurement of water use in agriculture is so important. I'm so grateful for every chance I get to talk with Devin. I love the passion he brings to his work, which comes out in this clip. In this, he talks about battling imposter syndrome, which was definitely a challenge for me when I was getting into climate tech. Definitely don't let your imposter syndrome get you. Because I had it like, why the hell am I starting Lumo? Who the hell am I? I don't know. I'm not even a farmer. I'm not never. I come from a water rich place. Like I said, I left my sprinklers <laughs> on. Like, who the hell am I? You know? But look, like, who are you to not do anything about it? Like, you live in a community, you yourself consume, living in, you're assuming that you live in any reasonably developed lifestyle, like, you are consuming a lot of the resources that are creating the challenges that we live with, do your best to put your effort into it. If you legitimately care about it and you have passion for it, bring that passion to the first and second and 10th and a millionth conversation that you have. And it's going to, people are going to see it and they're going to say, all right, who's this idiot who doesn't know anything about climate, but is saying that they give a shit and wants to try. I'll talk to them for 20 minutes and then you're going to learn a little bit and you're going to get one more introduction and it's going to cascade and like keep being humble and keep, bring up that passion and just go out and start talking to people. And sooner than later, like after the hundredth conversation, you're going to be like, whoa, 20 of those people actually want to support me either by making other introductions or maybe making investments or maybe giving you a job or whatever it is. You'll be so surprised at the goodwill of people because people in the climate community, like maybe the one thing they all have in common is like, they just care about this planet and want to make an effort. And if you say that that's how you think, they, you just fit in right away and they're going to do their best to get you a stepping stone. The last clip for today is from Shelly Aronov. Shelly is the founder and CEO of Interplant, where they're developing agricultural crops that act as living sensors, helping farmers use time and resources like pesticides and fertilizer more efficiently. I decided to end with Shelly's advice because I think it's an important thing for anyone to remember who's building products or services for climate impact. But I have another piece of advice that goes back to our mantra, which is remember that even if you're a climate company, there is no such thing as a climate consumer, right? Unless you're selling to consumers directly. You're working in an industry, whether it's agriculture, construction, or energy. 
and your customers are going to be in the industry. So remember that you're building something that makes that customer successful and is also good for the world. You can't create something that is going to create a burden for your customer or make them less effective because then you're not going to get adoption. And without adoption, you're not going to get impact. So again, try to understand that we all want to do good for the world. So find solutions that are good for your customers and for the world. If it's just good for the world, it's probably not going to happen. That's it for today. I hope these insights from our guests were as inspiring for you as they have been for me. And if you're thinking about what you can personally do, or if you have a friend in that position, maybe this can be helpful for navigating that path. Happy New Year, and thanks for listening. Hardware to Save a Planet is brought to you by Synapse. To find out more about us and how we develop hardware solutions for the world's most ambitious companies, head to synapse.com. And then make sure to search for Hardware to Save a Planet in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere you like to listen. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Synapse, thanks for listening.